So we've been uh, doing a little bit and talking about, as you can see this month, uh, the topic of our discussion is chasing carrots, which, uh, how many of you watched online on Sunday? Let's see. Watch online, watch online, watch online, watch online. How many of you are here on Sunday? Oh, wow. Wow. How many of you did neither? <laughs> no one? No one? <laughs> Just kidding. Um... I was saying on Sunday that I tried to cancel. I wanted to stay in bed, but my parents are too hardcore. Um, so we've been talking about the chasing carrots. My, if you, for those, the most of you that were here, you would have seen my dad with the long pole, uh, really with the prop demonstrating. Everybody has seen that image of you know the donkey or the horse who's chasing the carrot that the master has placed out in front of them. Uh, it really motivating, but knowing that that poor horse or donkey is never going to get to that place. And, and how sometimes in the rat race of life, the treadmill mill of our culture, so many of us can feel as though we are a lot more like that horse or donkey than we would like to say that we are. Chasing things only to get them and not be satisfied. Chasing things the idea of things, never to get them, never satisfied by what's happening, chasing these things that are just simply unattainable, like perfection and things like that that we'll talk about later this month. Chasing after things instead of finding a place, how the scripture talks to us about, finding a place of true contentment and true satisfaction. And I don't know about you, but that's a place that I want to exist in. I don't want to be able to be dragged around by all the things that our culture tries to tell us that we need to be dragged around by. I don't want to always feel the need to have more. We were talking about this month, what we were saying, and really this concept kept coming up, that when is enough actually going to be enough? When are we going to get to that place where we are content and satisfied in the lives that we have, no longer striving on this endless journey to try to get more, have more, experience more, thinking that the more that we have, somehow the happier we're going to be. It's crazy the statistics that you read online about people, how they search after more only to find that their satisfaction or their happiness level often goes down the more that they get. I'm not, I'm not interested in living that way, and I know scripturally the Bible promises us that we don't have to live that way. But so many of you are like me. When I first really started out my life journey, I've talked about this a little bit. Uh, when I was young, really my parents groomed me. My parents were business people, uh, and they groomed the three of us, me and my two sisters, uh, to be professionals. Uh, I was going to be a doctor. My sister Jess was going to be an eye doctor, and my sister Liz was going to be, I, I don't remember at this point, something other than that, but all doctors, okay, because that's what we got. And so this was kind of the way that we were groomed, and there was really no option. Right? I mean, I, I've said this before that when I was young, I can remember my parents buying me those T.Y. Beanie Babies. And while most people were getting like dogs and bears, I was getting little doctors dressed up as they continued to brainwash me that the only path forward is to become a doctor. And because of that, you know, my, my, you know I, things were great. I did well in school. I was a very ambitious person in that sense where, you know, I picked the program and I picked the path that I wanted to go and I got into the school that I wanted to go to. And then not only did I get into the university that I wanted to go to, but I got into the program that I wanted. It was a super competitive program. And not only did I get into that super competitive program, but then I got into the co-op of that program 
which I think there was only like a handful of people that were able to get into this program. And, you know, so my life was going good. My ambition, my drive, my desire, this idea of how I was going to live my life was moving forward. And as things went on, it only continued to increase. Pretty much every job that I ever worked, I had great jobs. I became a lifeguard when everybody told me that I couldn't become a lifeguard and had these great jobs. And then I got into university and ended up getting a job inside of my field while I was still a student. I was, you know, set up through that job with a company that I was going to get to work for, and I had a job offer and a starting salary, and I had everything that everybody wanted. Most people didn't understand how I was able to make so much progress as as such a young person. I had everything right on the outside, but on the inside, I was empty. That I was chasing something that I didn't actually want to attain. I can remember when I was leaving school, I've talked about my story about driving on the roundabout with my dad, and we basically drove in and drove out all in the same motion, because I knew, I knew that this chase for me was over, that I had been chasing something for so long that I didn't actually want to receive. And I can remember telling my friends and telling the different teachers and nobody could understand because it was as if everything was just aligning for me supernaturally. That in the Christian world, we would say that the favor of God was all over this decision as I was going and doors were opening for me. But I actually wasn't walking towards what I wanted and People didn't understand why it was, and people didn't understand why I would leave, and why I would turn down these jobs, and why I wouldn't finish the program, and why I wouldn't go through all these things. And it was because I knew that I was chasing something that I didn't actually want. And then I came, and I got into ministry into greater and greater degrees, and, you know, I think that I had this idea that it was going to be, you know, the golden carrot, But I tell you, it was not the golden carrot at all. For a few years, I would have referred to it as the rotten carrot. Uh, But I tell you now, I can remember, it was about three months ago, I was sitting in my bed, you know, with Danielle and with Lola, and I had this overwhelming response where, like, my heart was just said, like, this is enough. If this was all that I had for the rest of my life, this was enough, and realizing that none of these things would have been possible if I wouldn't have stopped chasing the carrots that people told me I was supposed to chase. And I started actually going after the things that God had for me. And this is the thing is we've all had these moments. If we went around the room tonight, every single one of us could give a similar story of their life about how they thought they were supposed to go one way only to find that there was nothing at the end of that road that we set a goal, and the moment that we get that goal is supposed to be this overwhelmingly glorious moment. The heavens part, and tiny naked baby angels come out and play these harps for us as the, the choirs of heaven sing gloriously as we enter into this moment. But so many of us find that we get to these moments that we obtain these carrots, as we're saying them, these achievements, these things that the world has told us are supposed to bring some sort of satisfaction, only to find out that there really is just another level of emptiness. You know, I I wrote it down like this, that we find a carrot, we chase the carrot, we catch the carrot, we eat the carrot, 
and then we start all over. But I've realized something that I don't want to chase carrots. I don't want to chase empty things. I don't want to chase things that people tell me I'm supposed to chase. I want to live a life that's worth living. I want to walk a path that God has for me. I want to experience truly the riches of a life that God has set before us. I don't want to be swayed by the opinions of the masses, but I want to understand who I am, why I've been created, and I want to walk that path. And, and we see that really, the, the passage that we're going to use tonight is the passage from Mark 10, 17. And it's a very familiar passage in that uh, it's the story of the rich young ruler. How many of you have heard about the rich young ruler? Let's see, show of hands. Just make sure that everybody, yes, yes, most everybody. If you haven't, I don't know, go read Mark chapter 10. <laughs> We're going to read about it, and I'm going to, uh, last night we had uh, a meeting in Buffalo. We do monthly meetings in Buffalo. It was so much fun. Uh, you should come out sometime. It's really a great atmosphere. Uh, and Amy so kindly told me at the beginning of the night that, uh, that I interpret parables and stories in the Bible in a very unique way. Uh, and again, I think tonight, uh, I don't know, you'll have to tell me after the end of my service if I interpreted it correctly, uh, but I'm going to do my best to interpret this scripture uh, the way that I think that Jesus wanted us to understand it, and that is to give us tools and keys about what does it look like for us to not chase carrots, but chase after destiny. And so it says this in Mark 10, verse 17, it says this, As he went out into the street, a man came running up to him, this was the rich young ruler, and greeted him with reverence and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to get eternal life? Now I want to stop here for a moment. I'm going to kind of interject a little bit through this passage and, and just really draw our attention to understand how Jesus walks this man through. And the first thing I want to stop at is at this point where he says, What must I do? as if there's some magical formula, something that we can do in order to earn or achieve, that really the rich young ruler wasn't looking for a savior. He was looking for a strategy of how he could save himself. In verse 18, it says this, then Jesus said, why are you calling me good? How many of you know that Jesus doesn't really ask questions because he's wondering the answer? Jesus typically asks questions because he's giving us an opportunity to go deeper. This is the invitation. This is Jesus knows that he's the son of God, but he's inviting this man into, he knows how this dialogue is going to go. And he wants to take this man beyond the surface level of understanding that he's good to a heartfelt reality in understanding of his nature as he invites him into this deeper place. He goes on to say, no one is good, only God. You know the commandments, do not murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. And he said, teacher, I have from my youth kept all of these things. And Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. I thought that's such a strange thing to add into that scripture, and loved him. Even for Mark, what would it have been like? What would this interaction have been between Jesus and this man, for Mark to have experienced this as a third-party person, the tangible love. You see, here's the thing that we have to understand, that my dad said it so beautifully on Sunday, that, that forget about what we're trying to chase after. Stop condemning ourselves if we don't feel as though we're chasing the right things. Instead, invite Jesus into whatever it is that we're experiencing. 
What would it have been like for Mark to have this tangible encounter with love, this moment where it's just Jesus having a simple dialogue, but there's so much love in these words. He says this, and Jesus looked him in the heart in the eye and loved him. I think that why Jesus, it's typically it would say that Jesus moved with compassion is a typical phrase that we see in the ministry of Jesus. And that is, I believe at this moment, what Jesus saw was the heart of this man. They had everything, pockets full of carrots. Just, he had picked and picked and picked and he had small carrots and big carrots and good carrots and everything looked right on the outside, but on the inside, he was empty. You see, I think sometimes this passage of scripture can be wrongly interpreted as if this man, what he was doing was he was looking for salvation. And I think that, yes, that may be a part of the story. But really what it was is that this man didn't think that Jesus was the Son of God. He didn't think he was the Messiah. If he did, he would have said Messiah. But he didn't respond to him that way. He responded to him as teacher. And he was going to Jesus because he understood. You see, he had pockets full of carrots. He had done the stuff. I mean, how rich would you have to be? <laughs> he had so many carrots, they're falling out on the ground. He doesn't even care. How rich would you have to be? How well would your life have to be in order to be called the rich young ruler? But he saw something in Jesus. That he looked at him. It was as if he had handfuls, barrelfuls of carrots. And it would appear on the outside that Jesus had none. But there was something about Jesus. This man had chased carrots his whole lives. But what he saw in Jesus was something different, a life of destiny, a life of meaning, a life of purpose, a life of satisfaction. And that's what he saw. And that's why he ran to Jesus and said, Master, that word when he talks about salvation. What he was saying was, Jesus, show me how do I live a life like you're living? How do I experience what you're experiencing? I have everything on the outside that says that my life should be as good as yours. But no matter what I feel, no matter what I face, I wake up every day and I look at all my carrots and all I feel is empty. He says this, he looked him hard in the eye and loved him. He saw his emptiness. He said, there's one thing left. Go and sell what you own and give it to the poor all your wealth, then you will be heavenly wealthy and come and follow me. You see, there's always a challenge. There's always a sacrifice. And not that God wants us or Jesus wants us to live a life of poor or desperation. But how many of you know that you have to be willing to let some things go in order to grab other things? That... If my hands are full of carrots, I got to let these carrots go if I want to grab something new. You see, this was the invitation. This was Jesus telling him that what you're searching for isn't carrots. You're not searching for things. You're not searching for stuff. What you're searching for is me. And so I tells him, get rid of everything you have and come and follow me. Verse 22 says this, the man's face clouded over. This was the last thing 
This was the last thing he expected to hear. He was looking for the answer to get more carrots. Maybe to get better carrots, bigger carrots. And Jesus tells him, no, 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 no. Get rid of the carrots and come and be with me. And I love this. We're going to get to this in a little bit. It says in verse 20, uh, 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 oh, it says this actually. Then this was the last thing he took to hear. He walked through with a heavy heart as he was holding tight unto a lot of things and not about to let them go. Verse 23 says this, looking at his disciples, Jesus said, do you have any idea how difficult it is for people who have it all to enter the kingdom of God? Not to be saved, but to enter the kingdom, the place of sweatless victory, the place of joy and peace and rest. The disciples couldn't believe what they were hearing, but Jesus kept on. Imagine how difficult I'd say it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to get into the kingdom of heaven. That set the disciples back on their heels. Then who has a chance at all, they asked. And Jesus was blunt. I love this. No chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself. Every chance in the world if you let God do it. Verse 28 says this. Peter tried another angle. Right? I love this. We're going to get here. I love Peter. I can't wait to meet Peter. Okay. And Peter says this. uh, We've left everything and followed you. And Jesus says, mark my words. No one who sacrifices house, brothers, sisters, mothers, father, children, land, whatever because of me and the message will lose out. They'll get it all back, but multiplied many times in homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and land. And then the bonus of eternal life. This is once again the great reversal. Many who are first will end up last, and the last will be first. You see, what I realize in this story is this. Obviously, Jesus wasn't trying to keep the man away. He wasn't trying to tell the man something in order to know that this man could never do it. He wasn't trying to discourage this man from following him. But he was trying to give him the wisdom to understand how to quit chasing carrots. He was trying to give him the wisdom to understand how to find what he was actually looking for. And so I want to dissect this in the last few minutes that I'm going to take here. I want to dissect this and and really answer this question. How do we stop chasing carrots and start finding the life that we want to live? Number one, I have this written down. Number one, you can write these down if you'd like to. If you don't, God bless you. Uh, Number one, you got to let go of your carrots. Okay, in verse 22, we see this is what, this was the problem with the rich young ruler. It says this, that he was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. I've realized that sometimes the greatest hindrance to the life that we want is the inability to let go of what we currently have. Can I say that again? Sometimes the greatest hindrance to the life that we want I'm like re-quoting myself. That's like retweeting something that you said. Is the inability to let go of what we currently have. Last night we talked about the parable of the coin. Another plug for Buffalo. If you're not coming to Buffalo, I mean, it's so easy to get across the bridge. It literally takes me, I think it's about the same time to get to my parents' house as it is to get to Buffalo. Last night we talked about the parable of the coin, and really what we focused on was is that sometimes we lose what we want in the, uh, the, we lose what we want in the clutter 
of what we don't want. That the parable of the story is that we have to clear out sometimes the things that we have in order to find the things that we want. That I need to answer in my life, what is it that I actually want? You see, this is the problem that the rich young ruler had. The rich young ruler had all the stuff. He had all the carrots, but none of these things were what he actually wanted. You see, this is the thing that we find. It's like the new car thing. You know, we work and work and work and work and work and work and work to get that new car. And then we get the new car and nobody can eat in the car. And then about two weeks later, you're eating in the car, spilling coffee, and you didn't even clean it, and you don't care, and it's no big deal. It's not three months later that you're like, oh, this stupid car, and oh, look at they have, right? It's not long before we realize that we're chasing things that we don't actually want. We think that we're going to find satisfaction in things that we don't actually find satisfaction in. Instead, what this parable of the coin is telling us is that sometimes we got to break away from all the pressures that things and people and systems and structures and culture tries to put on us and actually find out, answer the question, what is it that I actually want? This is like me as I sat on my bed with Danielle and Lola after a life, I'm not that old, but the life that I have lived so far and... All the stuff and the things and the things that people have told me. And then I sit in my bed with my wife and my child and I realize this is the thing that I actually want. Everything else is peripheral. I need to answer this question, what do I actually want? Not what I'm told I'm supposed to want. Not what the commercials and that Instagram person. What do I actually want? If it's not what I have, then I have to make a decision to let those things go. Because there's no point in continuing to chase something that I know is only going to bring me emptiness. Right. Number two, I have to lean into God's promise. Okay? I cannot settle for less than what God has for me. Verse 27 says this. This is where Jesus replied when Peter said to him, well, then who can get in? And Jesus says this, no chance at all if you think you can pull it off by yourself, but every chance in the world if you let God do it. We cannot experience true satisfaction outside of God's plan for our life. I mean, I'm going to retweet that one. We cannot experience true satisfaction outside of God's plan for our life. God knows best for our future. And not that it needs to create fear in us that we have to make all the right steps. But it does require us that when God is asking us to let go of certain things, certain ideas, maybe it's unforgiveness, maybe it's frustration or bitterness, maybe it's fear. I have to be willing to let go of things so God can take me on the journey of where I'm actually trying to get to. We can't be smart enough. We can't be good enough to earn it. This is what the rich young ruler said to Jesus. Tell me what I have to do in order to get there. As if we could somehow do this on our own. No matter how hard we work, God has set this system up. That we cannot accomplish it on our own. Because this is about relationship. This is about communion. It's about an interaction between us and our loving Heavenly Father. 
You see, the rich young ruler was like this. He had all the stuff, but he was still empty and searching. Instead, I've decided that I'm not going to do this alone. I'm not trying to be self-made. I'm trying to be Jesus-made. I'm not trying to make my life work on my own. I'm simply going to accept the fact that the Bible gives me some pretty phenomenal promises that I'm going to lay hold of. I mean, I think the, the, the most amazing thing the Bible says is that, that when we increase with God, that it's increased without toil, struggle, or strain. That when we try to increase on our own, it's as if when one thing increases, something else has to decrease. But when I increase with God, I actually find what I'm looking for. That he's won the victory for a lot of things. That on the cross, Jesus, when he declared, it's finished. And when we read through the Old Testament and the New Testament to realize all the victories that Jesus has won for us, I've realized I don't need to fight some battles because Jesus has already won these victories for me. I don't have to try to get my healing. Jesus has already done it. I don't need to try to figure out how to get financial increase. Jesus already has a plan. I don't have to try to figure out how to fix my marriage or my relationships. Jesus already has a plan. And so instead of trying to make it and figure everything out on my own, now I'm going to partner with heaven and Jesus and I'm going to partner with him and I'm going to commune with him and talk with him because the wisdom that he has is going to get me to where I want to be. And number three, I got to loosen up. Okay? Number one, I got to let go of my carrots. Number two, I got to lean into God's promise. And number three, I got to loosen up. Because things may not happen as quickly as we want them to happen. This is that scripture, right? In verse 31, it says this, many who are first will end up last, and the last will be first. You know, I've always interpreted that, that everybody else is going to be last, so that I could be first. But I don't think that that's what Jesus was saying in this part. Right, because this is why I, I, I love this probably more than the actual story itself. I, I love this when, you know, Jesus is having this interaction and he's talking to the rich young ruler. And Peter, man, his wheels were always spinning, right? I feel like Peter was like, uh, he was probably like a conniver before because he's like always looking for the angles all the time. And so he's listening to Jesus talking to the rich young ruler and he says, you know, unless you give everything that you have and come and follow me, and the rich young ruler falls away, and Peter's got this giant light bulb ding on his head. And he's like, whoa, I did that. I did that. And, and we see that in the scripture, right? We see that when Peter, like, jumps up and exclaims, Jesus, I did those things. He's like, I sold everything. I gave my business. I gave it all the way to the poor. I left my family. And I came and I followed you. I think Peter in this moment is looking for the payday, right? He's like, I've done it. I've checked all the boxes. I've done all the things. And this is Jesus telling me that this is my moment. But I love this because Jesus reassures Peter. He reaffirms the promise where he says that anyone who's given anything up, they'll receive it exponentially in return. But then Jesus does something as he reminds him of the timeline. 
He says, Pete, sometimes you're going to be first. And other times, <laughs> you're going to be last. But I think that this was, this was God reaffirming, Jesus reaffirming what Paul would go on to say later in Galatians 6, 9. That we will reap if we faint not. That so often what can happen to us in our life is that we go after God and God's promise. And things don't happen the way that we want them to go. And so we resort back to chasing carrots, trying to make those things happen in our life that we want to happen. That God promised us would happen. But we take the carrots back in our hands to try to make those things happen. I've learned this, that sometimes I'm first. And I got to tell you, I love when I'm first. And other times I'm last. And I'm kind of bummed when I'm last. But I've realized something as I've walked this road with God, is that there's one thing that I can guarantee, is that God is always on time. Yes. That sometimes he's not on my timeline. Sometimes he does things, and sometimes I'm tempted to try and take things back into my own hands. Sometimes I'm tempted to try and make things happen in my own life. Sometimes I'm frustrated. I don't like the way that God is laying this out, or I don't like the way that you're doing this, God. But in those times, I have to sit back and remind myself that no matter how hard I try, I can't make this happen on my own. Can I tell you something this evening as I close? Your promise is on its way. Your job is on its way. Your peace is on its way. Your healing is on its way. Your husbands are on their way. Your families are on their way. Your promotions are on their way. Your houses are on their way. Your cars are on their way. Your happiness is on its way. Just simply don't quit. Because when we don't quit, the Bible promises us that it's going to happen for us if we can simply remain. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the words that you have spoken to us. They are life and light. They are truth to us. Lord, it's our determined purpose not to chase carrots, but to chase destiny. I declare over each and every one of us that our days of chasing carrots are over in Jesus' name. That this is our season of redemption. It's our season of reward, and it's our season of rest. That it's our season to truly find what we're looking for, to stop looking and start living our dream. And we declare these things in Jesus' name. If you believe it, give him a hand clap. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray your life was impacted by the service and that you were able to feel the tangible love of Jesus fill whatever space you're listening from. Maybe you found this message and you've never had the opportunity to come into a personal relationship with Jesus, or you've known about him but have been far from him. We want to give you the opportunity to make his love a daily reality in your life. Jesus came to this earth and died on a cross so that you and I could be close to him. He wanted to wipe away every disappointment and bring you into a life of purpose and meaning, one that will impact this globe for good. So if you'd like to begin this journey with Jesus today, then repeat the simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, I'm praying this prayer because I know that I've made mistakes and have been living without you. I apologize and I trust that you will forgive me. I accept your love and grace and ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. Help me believe in you and love you every day. 
Help me to show the world what you're like and how great your love is. I commit to live for you from this moment forward. In Jesus' name, amen. All of our Light City family are joining with heaven and celebrating over the commitment you just made to have Jesus as the Lord of your life. We have resources available for you to help you on this journey, but most of all, we're praying for you. Send us a note at info at golightcity.com to let us know about the decision you've made today. We have resources we'd love to send you uh, with some easy steps on how to go from here so that you can discover God in a real and meaningful way. If you have a prayer request, our team would love to connect with you and partner with you to see God transform your life. God bless you, and we look forward to hearing from you soon.